You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles podcast, where we share stories from individuals and organizations to help those parenting and living in the special needs community get connected and to help educate others about living with a disability. We welcome all who want to hear the stories we share here. In this episode, Tonya continues her conversation with our son, Christopher. He tells about being misunderstood by teachers and others because of the invisible disabilities he lives with. I hope you enjoy this part of my interview with Christopher. We'll pick up now where we left off last week in episode four. So we've talked about being a sibling of someone with a disability, but for you personally, by the time you were in those early to middle elementary years, you were starting to show some struggles of your own. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what some of the challenges are that you've had um, through, through the elementary years? Um, through the elementary years, um, I had a lot of trouble writing and like, I've never been good at reading, but like reading wasn't the the hard part. I was just as bad as all my classmates, but but I could pronounce things. So I was fine. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't write to save my life and spelling, even now spelling was hard. Like, um, I'd flip-flop my D's and my B's and like even now I have to double check to make sure they're right um and like um uh just just in general like I couldn't I couldn't write very well my handwriting's still as awful as it used to be but like every now I've picked up like things that I wrote in first grade and I'm reading it I'm like how did I ever understand what I was writing which I still find myself now as a sophomore in college reading things that I wrote last week and trying to figure out through the hieroglyphics what I wrote. So uh, I, 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 I didn't have good handwriting and I couldn't, I couldn't spell very well. And I had this habit of instead of starting a new sentence, I just continue and curve it down the, the side of the page so imagine a right angle of I get to the end of the paper and I just go down with it so I I didn't think to write underneath there's a new sentence so do you um I I know you know this but what's the name of that that condition that you have and that was showing up back then the the writing thing yes Uh, it's called dysgraphia yeah. which is the lesser known, less popular version of dyslexia. So nobody knows what it is, really. <laughs> if you tell anybody, they have, they've never heard of it before. Well, now some, you... of, some of our listeners are special, special education teachers and resource teachers. Mm-hmm. They will know what you're talking about. <laughs> Correction, 50% of them will know what we're talking about. The <laughs> other half doesn't, uh, and... but they're going to tell us that they do. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, so I always tell people in the most like easy, simple way, dysgraphia is dyslexia, but it's for writing. So it's characterized by um, poor motor function. So like bad handwriting and um, like not able to like spell what you're reading. So if, if you wrote something out and you wanted me to copy it down, it's harder for people with dysgraphia to write the same letters and all. So like, if you show me how to spell the word little, I guarantee you, I'm going to find a way to mess that up. Whenever I was younger, like I'd put one T 
or I'd put two T's and two L's. Not I know it has two L's, but I'd put two L's after the two T's. Like like it it's just it it makes jotting down notes that much harder. Um and um just just writing in general and having good handwriting, like all kids have bad handwriting. There's a few out there that were just blessed and most of them are these little girls that just have phenomenal handwriting by sixth grade and I don't know how it happens. I I'm very jealous. But a lot of times you can tell um, that there's an issue whenever, like I hold the pencil very weird um, or very unconventional. So I had to like put this little like rubber gripping thing that like showed me where to put my fingers to write. And it is the most uncomfortable thing ever because that's just, that's just not how it should be for in my mind. So I still, I just went back and I hold, I hold a pencil and like, like this hybrid way between the way it should be held and the way that I hold it. So it's, it's kind of different, but, but my handwriting, you can, you can tell even when I'm trying, like it's just not up to par. So. Now, when you were in first grade, you were not reading when the other kids in your class were reading, because I knew that even though, <clears throat> even though you hadn't figured out the reading yet, it wasn't, because you weren't going to be able to. It was just there was something else going on. And you learned how to read by the end of first grade. But you would read aloud with me at night, and I could hear you reversing a lot of the words and a lot of the letters. And so... I'd read, what was it? What was this? What was the name? It was a boy and a girl. It was like Dick and Jane. Was that the... Well, with, with Dick and Jane we had. And for our listeners, the part that was really difficult for me as the parent here was I have two two children that are 22 months apart. Emily, being the first child, was reading when she was three years old and writing paragraphs she, she, when she was four. To summarize it, she is physically disabled. I am mentally disabled. <laughs> no, 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 that, that isn't how you describe it. <laughs> but the comparison here of the two, you can't compare two children with each other. Um, everyone's going to develop on their own timetable. Mm -hmm. And so for Emily, she had more difficulty with the gross motor skills and getting out there and doing things because she needed her vision to be able to keep up with the other kids doing that. So she was really focused with what was in front of her. So reading came early for her because she could sit there and concentrate on it. For you, gross motor skills took off early. So you could run with the best of them, climb, do all those things. But reading was harder for you, and part of it was it was getting jumbled in there for you. And um, and so when we questioned the school about it, they said that your aptitude was there, you were keeping up with everyone, and it looked like it was dyslexia, so they would not, there were no resources for you to be able to plug into. And mm. we just had to wait to give it time. So second grade, you had a great teacher that year to start out with, but they had spelling tests and you'd have to take this the spelling class. test. And every, every week, your list of words was like words like dad, D-A-D. You had to learn to spell that one because you were spelling it B-A-B. Um, so it was still confusing. Was It was still looking like it was dyslexia. Well, during uh -huh. second grade, we tried to have them test you. And again, they came back and said, you were keeping up with the work. It looks like dyslexia. We can't do anything about it. So it wasn't until third grade that we could get some type of help for you. And by then you were reading, but like you were saying, your writing was falling mm -hmm. further and further behind all your friends. 
and um and your anxiety level was going sky high at that point and so we ended up having to go for private testing because every time we'd ask we were told by the school system that you weren't far enough behind your peers to be able for them to have a formal IEP yeah. meeting for you it was borderline abuse but it, it was definitely bullying of just making fun of me in front of other teachers and the, all my classmates because my my writing wasn't up to par so he'd make us like write like full like like what is it um what are the notebooks called it's like college rule or whatever so we'd write like like two pages not front and back just like front like two two and a half three pages worth of notes and he'd come over and because mine looked a certain way or it it, it the, the handwriting wasn't wasn't neat enough whatever that means um he would literally tear it up and tell me to start over and like that that's awful first of all but um he he would take me out into the hallway and like like make me cry and then have other kids other teachers come up and make fun of me and calling me like a wuss for crying in front of these other teachers just at like the worst so and he wasn't even my writing teacher my writing no. teacher was on his side though so it, it wasn't a good year at all they both didn't like me yeah but um, emotionally it was a hard year for you and it was it was hard yeah. for me as well because of that I was a soft kid, so. Well, but you you were a good kid though. You wanted to do the right thing. I had a good heart. Yeah. Yeah. I was a soft kid though. So, for those listening to the story, this is the same year that he was hugging his sister and giving her a kiss after walking her to a room, and then this is where he would walk down to from there. So it was it was a frustrating year to to mm -hmm. try to figure this out, and um. And there were a lot of days that you would have to sit out during recess. Oh yeah. So my teacher didn't like me so much that he took away everything I loved. Um, and so I don't even remember what I did to deserve this, but he he would not like me so much that he'd make me um, sit in a concrete square at recess. He would make me sit inside of one of those and I couldn't leave the, the square or whatever and I couldn't have any toy I couldn't have a book to write in I couldn't do nothing uh, at one point I played with rocks and he made me to throw the rocks away like and and that was my recess for all of 20 30 minutes so I had to sit there and be quiet and do nothing um, on, on beautiful days because when you're a kid every day is beautiful um, it, somehow the weather gets bad whenever you get older but um like and his justification was always like you could walk in a circle in the square you could do push-ups in a square you could do sit-ups in a square and that's your that's your physical exercise but he chose i remember we had a meeting and he was like and he chose just to sit there i'm like i'm a kid i want to run around that's being a confined yeah. square so, the um the reason that we were told that you were sitting in the square is because you weren't finishing your work so, mm -hmm. um, so it's, so, and, and this is, this is a piece that I wanted you to share that because, um, it shows the frustration that some of our kids have when they're in those early years of diagnosis with learning disabilities, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of misunderstanding that can happen. 
And in this case, it was clearly misunderstanding was happening. We had the diagnosis by then. We knew that you had dysgraphia. There was a reason that you weren't able to copy. Oh, he didn't. He didn't want to follow my IEP in the slightest. Well, and and that's the so other piece too. To, I was supposed to get a copy of notes, and he would refuse to give me a copy of notes. He he didn't. He would do everything so he didn't have to give me a copy of notes. He wouldn't give me like extra time on things. Like he was. He was. I'm more important. And as a third grade teacher, you can't be like that. So. Now, to to be fair, you followed third grade with a fourth grade teacher that was one of the best teachers. Oh yeah, Mr. In, in the school. Uh, the the reason I wanted to to point this out, even though I I, I hate to say anything negative about a school, you you were in good schools all through the years. This actually mm -hmm. was a good school. We were very involved as a family, but it was an unfortunate year during the time that we were finally getting a diagnosis, finally got you on an IEP. Mm -hmm. And it was our first year of really having to fight to get teachers to follow the IEP and yeah. to make sure it, that it, it was, was... It was the first year of many years of being very misunderstood. Yeah. So I, I think you can agree on, agree on that with me. Ab absolutely. And so. it caused a lot of anxiety in you as a young boy to be treated like this each day. And, mm -hmm. um, and so fortunately we were able to find a great karate school that, that took you in and really worked with you one-on-one -on -one and helped rebuild some of your confidence during that time. But you would mm -hmm. still have emotional breakdowns even during that time, just because of the stress at school. I was a soft kid, like I'll say. So well, but, I was but, an emotional kid. Yeah. And, and it was a, it was a strength that you had, but at mm -hmm. that point you you had gotten beaten up enough emotionally that you, you can only take so much mm -hmm. and um and so as your parent daddy and i had to really figure out how are we going to help you get through this part and um and it, it was tough i mean it, parents that are listening you're you're going through a lot of these same struggles that you see your child you see your child struggling and hurting and it's hard sometimes to know how to help them the best and, um, and in this case, we have another child who also needs our focus. So we're balancing between the two and not wanting to leave either one of them drowning on their own. So, um, so it was, it, it was a lot of just questioning, how, where do we go next? How do we, how do we do this? What, what do you need? We didn't want to provide so much help for you that you ended up getting weaker because you weren't doing anything on your own and learning the skills that you needed to learn. Um, and we were starting to question at this point whether there's something else going on or not. And, um, and so it looked like it was anxiety and that's how we were kind of following it. But you, you, you met with a counselor during that time, but really didn't feel like that was what you needed. So we didn't pursue that. And, um, sports were a good relief for you at that point. Mm -hmm. Where you were pretty much in every sport that was out there. So let's, let's regroup a little bit here. So because a lot of our listeners are parents of children with disabilities and specifically for this episode some of them are going to have kids who have dysgraphia or dyslexia um, and at this point we were still questioning whether it could be ADHD too um, so some of the things you've talked about how you felt as a child do you think that any of these things prevented friendships for you as a child no because I didn't as a kid I didn't like so like being smart is like cool when you're a kid and then eventually like you don't care anymore <laughs> like like that's that's middle school where like being smart isn't the coolest thing anymore 
but as a kid like I wanted to be the smartest one in the class and like even now I always want to be the smartest one in the class but honestly like I've really focused on just like friends more than anything because like everybody that like I was friends with we all struggled at school in our own ways Mm-hmm. And like I always thought I was smart because I could do math. Well, and you like, you were you by fourth grade you tested into the gifted program. Um, yes, yeah, so so, I, I could always I could always do math pretty well, and like nobody ever really cared about like reading because nobody could read. So so <laughs> so um so like I was always just being like I was always just being a good friend. Like that's that's all anybody really cared about when you're a little kid is like like who who are your friends like what are we gonna do are we gonna play basketball today stuff like that like right. that, that's all that's all we ever really cared about is just being playing sports at recess and like the, the you know talking in art class or whatever like pe like the, we never we never really like had issues with like friendship and all like because we you know we we're kids Kid, kids don't see people for their differences they see kids of like i like this do you like this okay we're best friends now so when you were i mean pretty much all your life you've always been like this but even as a toddler and well into elementary and middle school if we were somewhere at a park or something like that you and emily both i mean within minutes you had mm-hmm. a group of kids around you and you were you were right in the throes of it it, it it never seemed there never seemed to be a reason for you not to make friends somewhere and no. um so it's and, and i see see that with you today too you're you're gonna find some common ground with people as you meet them mm-hmm. well, i'm a people person so like i i can find people and find something to talk about like no matter what because in college everybody's like quiet they don't want to talk or like if you don't you don't know people you don't want to talk to them yeah I'll just, Hey, we're both socially awkward right now. You want to talk about that? Like that that's that's pretty much how I approach things is like we both don't know anybody here to talk to. Like let's that's common ground. Let's talk. Right, there so. you go. <laughs> so, for elementary and even middle school, do you have any tips for parents who have children with um we'll we'll include ADHD in here too because anxiety and ADHD go together so well. Um and dysgraphia and dyslexia. So read um, Dick and Jane. Say that again. Read Dick and Jane. <laughs> read, read Dick and Jane. <laughs> um, um, find for for writing and like spelling words and all. Eventually, they'll spell the same word enough to where they'll figure it out if they if they're if they learn how to spell it the right way. Eventually, you just write it enough to where you don't have to think about it. But one thing for because a very common thing with dysgraphia is b's and d's um the best trick that i was told by yours truly on the other side of this camera my mother um the tonya wallum um is that lowercase b's are the same as uppercase b's but without the top circle so they, they face the same way and uh, d's are the opposite of b's so a capital b is this way but a lowercase b is the opposite of a b. So, and whenever you spell, I'm sure they still teach kids this way. Whenever you spell bed, it makes a bed. Yep. So that, that's kind of a, that's kind of an easy way to remember it. Um, for for writing and all, like honestly, 
writing physically, not spelling, anything like that. Eventually spelling is going to work itself out. Like don't, don't push a kid to do so many like spelling books and all that to like think like, Oh, they they'll spell it the same way every time they'll figure it out. Because if the kid doesn't want to do that, like they're not going to, it's not going to click. So make sure that they, they are, are doing it enough, but don't overly pressure it to them because it, kids work one way it's in one year and it's out the other unless it, it holds their attention but but for like for writing and all make sure they if they're holding the pencil correct because motor obviously i didn't know how to hold a pencil and motor skills are weird that way um they make they make these little rubber things that you put on pencils that like have like a, a thumb like it shows you where to put your fingers to hold it correctly Mm -hmm. um that's pretty beneficial and just make like make your kids right because honestly honestly those those muscles in your hand are never gonna get it's it's not like cardio where you can run a mile and work your way up to a marathon it doesn't work that way but if your kids get enough writing where they they are used to using those muscles then eventually you are able to write more but it, it, for me personally it never got better for those muscle groups do you and remember what i did for you in the kitchen not at all we took white paper and put it behind the sliding glass door mm -hmm. and i gave you glass mar or um oh, dry so erase markers expo, expo markers on it yeah yep. And had you write on that, and there were some assignments that we had you write on that, took a picture of it, and sent that to your teacher for your assignment, mm -hmm. just to make it less stressful after whenever you had a lot of writing to do. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I mean, there, there's cool ways to go about writing to keep people's attention and all, and like you could honestly like, for for I'm talking specifically just about motor functional muscles in the hand and how tired your hand gets. Mm -hmm. even coloring books like that helps that helps the motor functions and all uh reading and all find something that they want to read i read a bunch of kids scooby-doo books because that was interesting yeah. to me um i still have them on my shelf that's what made me remember is i saw them on the shelf when you I also home got into graphic novels oh yeah comic books are awesome um because there, there's as a visual learner like i like to see things I don't like to read things, but I like to see things and I like to like do, do things hands-on. Um, pictures are good because then you can, you can learn a story without the words and still be reading and all. So it kind of gets your, 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 um, your stamina for reading up, but it also holds your attention. Cause if you're reading, if you're reading, um, Pride and Prejudice as a first grader, you're hating your life, honestly. But if you're reading Batman comic books, like you're you're living life at that point. Garfield comic books were my favorite. Yeah, like they're they're pretty good. Uh, was it Tobbs? What was his name? Henry and Tobbs. The, Cal the tiger Calvin and, and Hobbs. Calvin and Tobbs. Calvin and Hobbs. I was yep. close enough. Yep. I was close enough. <laughs> um, All right, so I'm going to catch you off there because because I know we we've been talking a lot and you're trying to get your laundry done while we're working here. Um, yeah, we got so like five minutes. for kids who are in elementary school and maybe feeling beaten down a little bit by teachers that misunderstand them mm -hmm. or by kids who might think that they're a little bit awkward and different, um, any advice to give those kids? Um, you're, you're going to be okay. 
I I I somehow came out all right, and I'm on top of the world. Um, pressure makes diamonds. Um, honestly, like in the moment, it's pretty. It, it in the moment you probably don't like it, but find something that you really enjoy and you love, and pursue doing that. It, some people say that it's ADHD and you just follow the serotonin. I've been I've been told that where like your brain automatically goes, I want to do this instead of that because one gives you that that feel good feeling. But like honestly, sports was what I focused all my time into because that's what I really enjoyed doing and and just just have fun and enjoy yourself. And if people are giving you a hard time find 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 a reason or a way or somebody to help you out there and don't don't stress it too much because they they are either they either are being hard on you because they want you to fulfill what they believe is your potential or they could just be a crummy person and somebody else can help you figure out how to how to bridge that gap of misunderstanding and like n- nobody out there is ever going to know and understand who you are ever because they don't know your life story so if you can just be okay with who you are and be comfortable in your own skin and know that at the end of the day you're okay you are always going to come out on top and there are always going to be good things ahead as long as you're always trying to find those good things nice i like that all right so to um to close out your younger years by seventh grade we did get a final diagnosis that you did have adhd it was mm-hmm. just being masked by the anxiety that was coming from the stress yeah. earlier. So, so they are they are similar in some ways. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're in that questionable time, um, what we what we were told is that the approach would be very similar in how we would how we would deal with it. So, um, yeah. So you were getting some help by then. Um, it, but... It's just simplify things. So find find what works for you. For me, I like to take things that are very complicated and find the most simple way to look at it. And that helps with both anxiety and ADHD because if you have a lot of work to do, then you get overwhelmed and it's much easier to pick up your video games because that makes you happy than it is to do homework. So if you just find a way to do like break it down, like I got five assignments, each assignment takes me an hour, but I can do one one now if i do one now and then i take a break while i'm eating and then do one after that then that's three hours i have two assignments done and you can you can kind of break it down to to wrap your head around it of like how to get things done and for me that creates less stress and that also makes my brain not go like i hate this this is the worst thing ever like this is miserable and like it helps me not get overwhelmed as much even though I really do get overwhelmed on a lot of stuff. So, so by the time you got to high school, you mm-hmm. had um, in middle school there were some there were more misunderstandings happening um, that were similar to that third grade year, mm-hmm. and, um, and well, I it was just couldn't more... sit still, and people didn't like that I couldn't sit still. Yeah, and um... but when we would as parents, and when, whenever we would ask, you know, well, what what was happening? Um, I'm thinking se- seventh grade especially. Um, what mm-hmm. was happening? I would always be told that you were very polite, you were very respectful, um, but you would sharpen your pencil at the wrong time. You'd throw away a piece of paper at the wrong time. Um, there was water turned on in the science lab, so you jumped up and turned it off without asking permission. Um, what you had explained was there was a computer near there, so you were concerned about 
the computer mm-hmm. getting damaged. Yeah, one one of my and, one of my friends jokingly like turned on the like the eye cleaning water whatever, and I jumped up to turn it off, and that's when the teacher walked in, and then now I get in trouble. So you were yeah. <laughs> So, so that, that, um, I've heard ADHD being explained as quick brained before, um, or fast brained. And I think that's what was happening was you're seeing, you're seeing the yeah. need and jumping quick mm-hmm. before anybody else saw there was well, even something happening. Things very, if I'm, if it's something that I'm trying to process, but not like mm-hmm. overly thinking about it, like certain things just come to me quick. Like I don't have to think about it. My brain just like instantly goes okay do this and before i even think about that i've already done it would you consider Um, that a superpower yes i i I think it is i think it's it's a benefit in a lot of different areas adhd is hyper focus so if you can find something that 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 tickles your fancy or whatever like something something that makes you um very interested in it like that that creates this um it's very bad for time management because like you you get very tunnel vision but it, it, it if you're focusing on something like nothing can break that focus like this is that's the only thing you want to think about you're thinking about all the possible outcomes opportunities things that can happen and and you're very especially for baseball for me i'm very quick twitch brain so i don't have to think about much i just do it so in a sport that doesn't have much time for reaction it, it's good that that benefits me. All right. So once we got through the middle school years, you got into high school. Um, we had to do a little bit of education for some of your teachers to help them allow allow for some modifications and accommodations on your IEP. But um, but you were in a math class where you were standing up and taking tests and scribbling on your paper, and so some questions were starting what, to come up. What grade was it? 10th grade. Um, so you went part-time. We, we decided to exercise some school choice and we sent you part day to a school that worked with kids who were college bound, but had learning differences yeah. for part of the day. And then you were in your regular high school for the rest of the day so that you were still eligible to play baseball with the, the school. And while you were at, um, now the school was the Hill Center that we sent you to. And mm-hmm. for parents that are in this area, I can I can give you the reference, the link there, so that if you want to look into that for your, your child. Um, it was a, a good resource, very small class sizes. They could work specifically with the child who, with, with the accommodations that they need for their learning difficulties. But, um, but while you were there, they started questioning um, whether you might have narcolepsy or not. Mm-hmm. And so do you want to talk about those early symptoms of, or actually before we get into that, how could you best explain what narcolepsy is? Um, from a technical standpoint or just the way I explain it? The way, the way you would explain it to someone. So I always tell people that narcolepsy is an autoimmune disease where the part of your brain that regulates when you should be asleep and when you should be awake slowly eats itself between the ages of 15 and 25. Um, but, um, so your, your body naturally has like a time clock for when you should be awake and when you should be asleep. Um, I know this because there's ads on TV for blind people that like helps regulate that because uh, they can't see if it's daylight or not, apparently. Um, but um, 
so like your body doesn't naturally regulate if you have enough sleep or not and like the stages of sleep and REM and like I'm not going to get into that because that's very tech very technical but, but narcolepsy is basically um it, it, it's basically like whenever you should be awake your body wants to sleep whenever you should be asleep your body wants to be awake and if you sleep too much you're very sleepy the entire day if you sleep too little you're very sleepy throughout the entire day so it, it it's basically your body at all times telling you like you should be asleep right now so it, it it's it's not fun because like i have in my experience it's very hard to have energy to do anything at all times so like you're it's like it's like the way they explain depression in like novels where like you just want to be in bed all day you don't want to do anything it's the opposite for me because I want to be awake and I want to be alert but I just can't be even if I have caffeine even if like I just can't be awake and alert and some days some days I just wake up and it's already five in the afternoon and now I've just missed out on an entire day so it's it's very it's very it's 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 very complex disability that I don't know that it's looked at fully as a disability but it it can be very debilitating on on people's lives because we all have to function and be uh, apparently I've been apparently told this in the last year that we all eventually have to be contributing members of society didn't know that was a thing (laughs) but um it's hard to do that whenever you can't wake up on your own um whenever you're at all times um um, there, there's a part of narcolepsy which I don't have. It's called cataplexy, which 70% of people with narcolepsy have cataplexy. Um, so I'm part of the 30% that doesn't. But cataplexy is, uh, in simple terms, um, strong poles of emotion will make you fall asleep. So you could be laughing with friends, and it's one of those like deep, like actual laughs where you're not faking it, and just instantly pass out but like you could be really happy or you could be laughing or you could be really excited and just knock out and just fall over I don't know because I don't have it but you could fall over I guess but for me like I get if I if I get comfortable in the slightest like if a car is like nice and warm and I'm not driving oh I don't even have control I'm just asleep so before whenever I was younger in high school because eventually you were going to ask me like how did that eventually show up yeah uh, when i was when i was in high school i had this power to fall asleep standing up and i didn't know that i had it <laughs> cuz to me i was awake and then i was awake again <laughs> yeah. and i just time traveled 30 minutes <laughs> into the future well that's what i was um, talking about you were you were standing up taking a test and your hand continued oh, yeah. writing Oh yeah, I could write with my eyes closed. Like I got, I could, I got so good that I could like unlock my phone and do things while I had my eyes closed. Cause and I didn't know how that happened, but apparently I've been practicing. Um, and um, like I'll wake up some mornings and like I'll have apps open on my phone that I haven't haven't opened in months. And apparently, I've been playing video games on my phone while I've been asleep. But, um, have you ever texted anyone in your sleep? Yes. <laughs> not like, not like any, anything on purpose, 
or anything that makes sense just like random like i'll type words and then a bunch of gibberish like a cat walking on a keyboard but i've never i've never pressed send thankfully oh good <laughs> but i'll wake up and it the text is there and it, it it's always like the uh b f w p q r l z like a bunch of letters but it always starts with like v <laughs> so either autocorrect's good or I'm i would say it might might be an autocorrect <laughs> who knows but um but uh i think the big thing that made us like realize like i i would fall asleep in classes quite a lot and i'd have teachers like like i had one teacher freshman year because i'd fall asleep in his class all the time it's not my fault he's boring but um but um uh, he would in the middle of like the entire class like like stop and make everybody like yell at the same time to try to wake me up you never or, told like, me that <laughs> or like everybody would like clap because there's a viral video of everybody clapping with somebody asleep in class and the person asleep started clapping oh <laughs> um yeah and um and so I just wake up and I think the dude's being rude. I never knew that I was asleep. I just woke up. Right. Um, so, so we go from being awake to waking up. Um, but I would be taking tests. And this is whenever we were really starting to figure out that I had narcolepsy or, or something might be going on is um, I'd be taking tests in like the, the testing lab uh, or wherever, like it's like the separate setting. And the ladies in there is very, very nice. But I would I would be taking my test and and she would wake me up at like 30, 45 minutes have gone by and my response would always be I'm thinking because in my mind I was thinking about my tests and only 30 seconds had gone by in my brain. Yeah. So I went from I went from thinking about an equation and I didn't even close my eyes or anything. I just woke up 45 minutes later and this lady is telling me that I've been asleep. And I'm telling her that she's wrong and that I wasn't asleep. I was thinking for 30 seconds and I, I wasn't even aware that 45 minutes had gone by because I went straight from thinking about an equation to waking up. So it, that that's whenever we started having some questions about like, what could this be and all. When during so, this time too, I was, I was sitting with you at night helping you to stay awake with your homework. And I was mm -hmm. getting upset with you too. It's like, you know, just, oh, just you, wake up. You. In eighth grade, whenever I had to do um, all the, the the school at home, mm -hmm. you would lay into me some nights because I, <laughs> I didn't even know I was falling asleep. And like, I just couldn't stay awake for the life yeah. of me. So, so we're not sure. We're not sure when it really was starting with you. We're assuming it was grade. definitely by eighth grade. I think even in seventh grade when um you had a lot of write-ups that year for non-compliance and i think you were drifting during that time and not really focused on knowing what was going on but it was mm -hmm. it was early still so um but even i mean looking back there were times when you were even late elementary that you would fall asleep and not know that you would. i was asleep. a good sleeper so i so i think i think who knows when it was beginning but it was becoming a more of an obvious issue, definitely by eighth and ninth grade. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, well, why don't why don't you you've talked about the symptoms some? Why don't you give our listeners um, just a brief rundown of what like what's the process for testing to find out? Like like what what type of doctor do you go to, and like, what type of testing do they do? 
Yeah. So you go to you go to a neurologist because I believe that they study brains. I don't know what neurologist stands for. <laughs> I think that's probably um, a pretty good summary there. <laughs> probably a pretty good summary, but um, you go there and they do this thing called a sleep study, and they do this for people with like sleep apnea or like anything that affects your sleeping. Um, or like you can also go to a neurologist for like different brain functions. Like if you're having seizures and stuff like that, like they can figure out like what's going on with your brain and your nervous system. Um, but you go there and they put these like probes on your head and all, and I had a lot of hair at that time. So that wasn't fun. Cause I had goop in my hair like a week later still. Um, but you put all these probes on you or whatever and you you do a sleep study so you stay in this like makeshift hotel room that they have for um however long and um and uh at certain times they would tell you like i think five times throughout the day they were like okay you try to go to sleep and um needless to say i passed with flying colors <laughs> i fell asleep five out of five times um, and this is after and, sleeping 10 hours through the night, the night before, because you went in at nighttime, yeah. slept all night, and then throughout the day you had the naps, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but um, uh, they let you, um, words, um, they pretty much, um, they pretty much would like tell you that like you're allowed to nap like they they'd be like they'd be on like the pa speaker like they dim the lights in your room had the pa speaker be like okay now try to go to sleep and they let you sleep for five minutes and my biggest complaint is if i'm going to sleep let me sleep so and they did that like five times and what they're doing is they're seeing your brain patterns because um normal people when they go to sleep they go from being awake functioning brain pattern to uh there's different levels of sleep so they'd go to level one and then level one goes to level two level two goes to level three and it's like a little staircase like it, it looks on the brain pattern things like a staircase so you go you go up and then you go over and you go up and you go over you go to level one two three four and then after four is REM sleep which correct me if I'm wrong is like dreaming the dream state of sleep. It's it's the act of sleep, I think. Yeah, so it's it's active sleep. So you're dreaming. So as a narcoleptic, you don't go on a stair step. So all my brain patterns on all five of my naps and the night that they had me sleep there. So we go from being awake to REM. So we skip stage one, two, three, and four. We go straight from awake to to deep. Um, not the deepest level of sleep, but we go to deep, like dream state sleep. Uh, I, I think it's funny that when they showed me the chart, they were like, so this is how your brain should be. This is how it is. This is a hundred percent narcolepsy. Like this kid could fall asleep in the sun 10 times out of 10 is easy. Like, um, you can't really do testing on your kid till they have definite signs of it and they're maturing because like narcolepsy for most people doesn't show up till after they're 15 so most people don't find out they're narcoleptic until 15 to 18 some guys find out in their 20s so if they if you think that they're just lazy and they're sleeping it could be narcolepsy but it could be them being a normal kid so but if they're after 15 16 and they are falling asleep uncontrollably 
and they're telling you that they're thinking when they've been asleep for 45 minutes, <laughs> maybe that's a sign to go get a sleep study done. But, um, so I'm, I'm sorry I yelled at you so much in eighth grade <laughs> during that time. Oh, your apology <laughs> means nothing to me. There's still a grudge being held. <laughs> no, like it, it's cool. Cause like as a kid, I'm just thinking like, oh, I probably should. Cause I didn't even know I had narcolepsy. No, yeah. I mean, I'm none thinking, of us knew what I'm was thinking, going on. I'm thinking I'm, I, I remember I was fighting to stay awake. Like I was fighting yeah. to stay awake and I just couldn't. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't, I need to stay awake so I don't get yelled at. But I, I didn't know at the time that that's physically impossible for me. So, so as viewers can tell, it didn't damage our bond. No, no. We, well, I, I think we may be closer because we went through all that because, mm -hmm. you know, we, 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 we've done a lot of talking about it since then and, mm -hmm. and understand each other a little bit better on it too. Yes. Um, and, and I understand that level of, of drowsiness mm -hmm. just because I've, I've had sleep issues myself, mm -hmm. but, um, but I'm not diagnosed with narcolepsy, but I, I can, I can empathize with you at least with understanding, having no way of keeping my eyes open with at times. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, just, just like we did with the, the dysgraphia and the ADHD, do you have any tips for parents or kids or teachers? Um, that are dealing with the early stages of narcolepsy because if they're still in school it's still going to be pretty early for them mm -hmm. the best thing that you can do is and obviously if you have been diagnosed the doctor is going to tell you this find a medication that works for you um personally um i will kill somebody if i take adderall so I call it matter all because that's really what it is. It just makes you an angry human being. And it, it really turns you into a monster. But um, I personally, I take Sinosi. Um, it's more of a newer brand. It's not an accelerant. It, it just makes your, to my understanding, it makes your dop dopamine and serotonin levels go up. So it, it keeps you awake and during the day. Um, personally, if I don't get good night's sleep, I'll still be, I'll still feel sleepy but it helps me for like four to six hours to where I can't fall asleep. So if I need more energy, like on game days, I'll have, I'll have some coffee. I love coffee. So I'll have coffee or Red Bull or something um, to help me get, just be more awake. But um, um, other than that, try to get good nights of sleep. Cause if you find a, you'll find a balance of too much and too little sleep that somewhere in the middle, you'll, you'll feel like a very good functioning human being. And I'm very bad at finding that. But for me, it's somewhere between seven and eight hours, sometimes nine. Um, but I mean, you just got to find what works for you to be able to get your stuff done and wake up on time and go to sleep on time because it affects both falling asleep and waking up. So they make this thing called a sonic bomb, uh, which is an alarm clock that like shakes your bed. Um, you can put that underneath your pillow. Um, you can get your mom to call you uh, if you're at college, because that's the only way I woke up last year, the entire year was I had my mother call me and she called me about 25 times before I'd wake up. Um, now what I do personally, because I will wake up to my alarm more, um, I set like 10 alarms that are all like the first one, if I'm waking up at 1030, 
the first one's at 10.15, the second one's at 10.20, the third one's at 10.25, and then we have 26, 27, 28, 29, and 30. And I put it underneath my bed because I use a little wedge pillow. So I put it underneath my pillow right there. So it, it'll it like vibrate my pillow a little bit and like it's already loud. It's in my ear basically. So I, I, I have it, I have it within like two feet of my head so I can hear it. And, and that, that works for me, but you got to find what works for you. And there, there are contraptions out there that, that are some type of alarm clock that makes you wake up. And, I mean, you just got to find something that works for you to, to be functioning because nobody, like I've said, I, I have days like today I was, I got into my class at nine 30 online and I got, it's an online class. So I got into my class. And then I, 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 I sat in my class for like 30 minutes and then I woke up and it's three 30 in the afternoon. Like you have bad days, but you just got to understand that, that if you miss a day, like tomorrow, the sun's going to come up again. You're going to, you're going to be able to figure it out. You're going to have bad days, but you're going to have more good days than bad days. And if you find a routine that works and you stick to that routine, you're going to have more good days than bad days. So you're going to figure it out. It's going to be very, very tough. And I'm not going to lie or sugarcoat it. It's going to be very tough to be able to find a way to get up and just be functioning in the morning. Or it could be easy and your problem could be falling asleep more. But once you figure out what works, you'll you'll be able to, to feel better about it. Because waking up at 6 in the afternoon, like I was doing last year, is miserable. Because especially in the winter, you feel like you just missed the entire day. And nobody wants to feel like they miss, missed out on a day. So, but um, parents out there just, I mean, obviously the best thing you can do, no matter what the disability is, is make sure that your kid feels like they're okay. But try to help your kids wake up or find a system to get up. Because the more I read the, on online forums, the more I find there are parents waking up their 30 and 40 year old kids in the morning still. And you don't wanna be that parent you want them to find a way to be functioning on their own. So help them find that. And I think there's dogs that do it now, which is cool. Um, but if you can just find a way to make that work, then, um, then, then you can help them find a way to be independent. And that, that's what honestly any parent wants is for the kid to be one day, be able to function on their own and be independent. So I, I, I don't think that y'all can do much more other than be good parents and support them and and help teachers understand that your kid is not being lazy your kid is not being disobedient your kid honestly half the time doesn't want to fall asleep the other time of course i want to fall asleep everybody wants to fall asleep i'm the only one that is doing it though and that's why i'm the oddball or the 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 one that's getting called out for it but just help the teacher understand really that you're not trying to be lazy i've had i don't know how many meetings with my coach just talking about in case I don't wake up in the morning, I'm not not trying to be there. I want to be there more than anything. I just physically can't find a way to get there sometimes. So I, I had a buddy system for morning weights where I had somebody come wake me up because we, we have um, 6.30 lifts, which means we got to be there. Excuse me. We got to be there 15 minutes early because we start at 6.15. So we got to be 15 minutes early to 6:15, so we have 6:30 weights. So we gotta be there at six, so I'd have somebody come wake me up. And half the time, that became a game for me of how can I make sure I'm awake before they get here. 
So it, 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 you can kind of find your thing that, that works for you. But um, a lot of people are going to misunderstand that as being lazy or insubordinate. And you just got to have meetings and be like, look, like, I don't want to fall asleep. I want to be functioning. I, I want you to understand that there are going to be days that that just isn't the way that it works. But if you can communicate effectively and help them understand that there's going to be a lot less misunderstandings. So at least personal experience. So I literally don't know how many times I've emailed teachers of sorry, I had a bad narcolepsy day and they're like, that's okay. Here's what you missed. So there, there are good people out there and they, they, if they understand what you're, you're dealing with, they will, a lot of times be like you're i understand and i'm sorry that that happened but let's help you get back up to speed so and i have faith in humanity that even if you're even if you're in a in nebraska whoever lives in nebraska and you're watching this i'm sorry i think you have a bunch of corn i don't know what else but if you're in nebraska at a large school um and and you have a teacher that that, that, that you're missing their class. If you just talk to them half the time, they're going to be good people and they're going to be like, I understand. Let's make a plan to make it work out. So uh, just have faith and stay in there. So um, you've, I, I, I think those are some good, good points there. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Let me breathe. <laughs> yeah. I talked um, a lot if you can't tell. I was going to ask you about some of the resources that are available to you, but you've mentioned some already. You've mentioned the neurologist. Mm -hmm. um, the for both i'm thinking now both um narcolepsy and adhd and dysgraphia um and on on an iep for parents listening dysgraphia may not be listed as dysgraphia it may be listed as a specific learning disability that's the category that it falls under at least mm -hmm. in our state and i i don't know state to state if that differs or not but um but i know for christopher's um, iep when he was in um in grade school it was a specific mm -hmm. learning disability and ADHD. Yeah. And, um, but the, that the resource teacher in your school would be, a um, an option then. And then once you got to college, you have disability services there that you work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, meet um, with her. I meet with her at the beginning of each semester and at the end of each semester, right before exams. And she goes, she goes, Hey, uh, this is what we have as a plan already. Are these helping you? I say, yes. And then she goes, okay, is there anything else you need? And then she asks you, are you doing all right? And she takes care of you. So I'm at a small school in Southern North Carolina. So obviously that people care a little bit more than big cities and all that, but most places, disability services, they, they really are there to help you and they're, they're good people. But, but the people that are in that job field are because they want to help people. So nine times out of 10, they are the nicest people on campus. So. when well, I think even if you're in a larger school, you're going to have an office like oh, yeah. that. That's going to make it seem like a smaller community for you. Oh yeah. You've talked about the teachers understanding. So your teachers are also resources for you as far as, um, especially with the narcolepsy, if you're missing a class, finding out what you missed, um, working with your accommodations, your coaches are a support for you. Um, I'd like to think you would say your family's a support for you. <laughs> I feel like they're the biggest support. <laughs> and then there's also web resources out there. You've even talked about some of the research that you've done um, and just looking to see, you know, what else, what else is around there. Um, mm. And so specifically with narcolepsy, because if you're a parent listening to this and you're suspecting narcolepsy, your child is probably already in high school. 
So you're going to want to get some resources pretty quickly, get the testing done, and get them ready before they get to college. I'm going to put a list of um, some of the different networks that are out there specifically for narcolepsy. And if you look at the show notes, you'll be able to find those and, and get connected that way. And, um, and Christopher, you haven't, I don't think you've connected with some of these. I'll, I'll get them to you as well. So that if you want to, to look in there, there's, there's some really good stories, um, that people are telling right now in one of the series on Instagram. And it's kind of fun because they just give little blurbs about who they are and what they've learned. But, but there are people out there that have gone through the same thing that you have and they've done it for years because they're in their forties or something like that. Like I said earlier. They, they can they can tell you their experiences they can help you figure it out so I'm still yeah. kind of new to all this in relative terms right. I'm only what like two three years that this has really been a thing for me yeah it seems like it's been longer doesn't it it really it feels like all my life but, yeah. um, <laughs> well because it was a, a gradual progression too yeah with it yeah so but but just and I know I know that 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 this wasn't on the prompt but just know that by the time you're 25, everything, I don't know this personally, but I've been told this, everything kind of levels out because you, your brain's not eating itself anymore. And, and, and you, at that point, people say it kind of gets a little bit better. And by the time I'm 25, hopefully they, they have this new medicine where like the chemicals that your brain's not producing to keep you awake and all, you can supplement that. So if that works out, that's cool. Like, yeah, it's it's in the Chris, trials now from what we heard. Yeah, as a narcoleptic that has gone through quite a lot to get here, it's going to be all right. So you're well, going to live. It's, it's one of the reasons I wanted you to come on Water Prairie is because we need to get the voice out there. I mean, other kids mm-hmm. that are starting this and are frustrated right now, they need to see people like you to know that, you know, I don't have to wait till I'm 25. You know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're 19 and you're starting to settle down and figure this out. So there's hope I mean, coming I mean, soon. To put it in the most extreme terms, I'm, I'm a collegiate athlete. I, I'm playing at a very high level, not division one. I'm playing at division two. Not many people even go on from high school to play another in college. I made that jump and I'm playing at a high level for it as a narcoleptic, someone who's, who can't get up for their 6 a.m. last year, uh, I get Dean's list every semester. Like I, I've gone through all this, but now I've figured it out to where I, I can, I can play the sport that I want and I'm planning on figuring out how to make it to the next level and either play indie ball or get drafted or play overseas or whatever I have to do to keep playing ball at a professional level one day. I'm, I'm to toot my own horn. I'm a pretty smart cookie. So I'm figuring, I'm figuring out how in the classroom I can succeed and how I can work around all this. And I'm, I'm 19, like this could either get better, or it could get worse, but I, I keep, I keep a, a positive outlook on it. And I think that's the best way to approach it is I'm, I'm doing the impossible every day. And like, it, it's weird to me because I'm like, I'm just, it's just my normal life. But when you look at it from a step back, like if I can do all this and I have narcolepsy and I have ADHD, I have dysgraphia, and a lot of normal people go like one having one or two of those things like that's that's the hardest thing to overcome i'm just here to tell you that i am i have not only overcome them but i'm succeeding in everything i want to do so i I, i've always wanted to play ball and i'm at a school that was on my top five list coming out of high school so you you can literally do whatever you want 
and people always tell kids that and I believe it so just make it happen don't stress figure it out you'll figure it out you'll love yourself so it, it's not going to prevent you from living a life that that that, that you want to live so you, you can you can become a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon or a football player which is harder to accommodate for ADHD narcolepsy or dysgraphia um it's weird for me because like until I got diagnosed with narcolepsy all my problems was all my problems were uh dysgraphia and ADHD because everything in the classroom was one of those two everything outside of that was one of those two mm-hmm. and then whenever I got narcolepsy everything that became bigger and more important and that was that would that kind of pushed the other two of like like cool like I have that but like that's not the real issue I'd say that that narcolepsy is more debilitating than ADHD and writing just because being awake and present is a big part of the human experience and it's very hard to be awake and present when you're neither awake or present yeah (laughs) um so but i i'd say that the hardest thing to accommodate in a classroom is probably adhd because you can't if if you naturally can't sit there and focus on something or your brain's like, this is boring, I don't want to focus on it. It's hard to go from that to, okay, I'm going to fully focus on this. And even doing homework on my own, it is hard to just start doing homework because your brain wants to do anything else. So there's not really a way to accommodate it. There's a way to put you in lower distraction environments, but nobody ever takes what a, nobody knows what a low distraction environment is. So they, they, they can, like, this semester, I was taking, um, excuse me, I was taking classes in in one of our buildings, so I was taking tests in, like, a closet that had, like, whale, excuse me, like a gargoyle whale, excuse me again, oh my goodness, I had, like, it, like, whale bones and a gargoyle and, like, a, the anatomy of a cell, and I kid you not, I could space out and stare at that for 30 minutes if I wanted to. So it like your brain finds a way to distract yourself. And that, that's why it's hard to accommodate to that because you can't find a way to trick your brain into doing what you want sometimes. Like you just got to let it run its course and then, okay, let's get back to what we're doing like that. So, but I mean, so writing, as far as the school environment, yeah, I, I could see that, that being I mean, more difficult. I mean, I mean, writing in school and all, like I'm in college now, I take my notes on either my laptop or uh, one thing that I do is I have Google Docs on my phone so I can, because I can type on my, my phone faster than I can on my keyboard. So I can, I can like take notes on, on words. I don't have, I don't write much by hand unless I want to, and I don't want to. Um, so that's easy to do. And as long as I'm, as long as I can find a way to wake up, then I'm, I'm good on that, but, um, it, it's hard to get yourself to focus on things that you don't want to focus on. So, yeah. Um, uh, we've talked a little bit about the accommodations that you have in place in college and, and we had mentioned too, that you had an IEP when you were in school. Can you list some of the accommodations that you've used both when you were younger and now that have been effective for you that you would recommend 
um, kids considering having on, on their IEP or their accommodations plan in college? I'd say the biggest thing for people with dysgraphia, especially is a copy of notes. So I have a copy of teacher's note, uh, nothing in college. It says in, in little quotes when available, but in, in, in uh, high school and middle school and all, um, the teacher would, um, a lot of times, cause I'm for young kids, I'm old, but for anybody my age or older, I'm young. Um, uh, we had, um, we had Elmo's projectors. So it's like this little like crane device like this. And then it had like a, a camera here that would face down. So they do the, they'd show everybody what we're doing on a piece of paper. And then they'd give me that paper at the end of class. And that, that works great for a copy of notes. Um, but because I can't keep up with writing it on my own, I needed to make sure I'm not missing anything or because sometimes I can't read what I've written. Then I need, I need a clear legible note that has all my notes. So that, that's a big one. Uh, a low, a low distraction environment is good because I just can't take tests when other people are taking tests in the same room. Because I'm thinking about how fast they're going, how slow I'm going, or I can't just the noise of paper, anything can distract me. So that, that's pretty bad for me, at least. Um, extended time is a huge thing for anybody with ADHD um, because we do zone out quite a lot. Um, that gives you that time to be able to zone out and come back instead of trying to fight it the whole time. So you can kind of just let it run its course and come back. And, um, I think I have double time for a lot of things. It's like, if you have an hour to take it, I have two hours and I'll usually finish it in like an hour and a half. So, but just being able to have that extra time so you're not cramming the entire thing is very, very, very beneficial. Cause then you're not stressing about, am I going to be able to finish in time? Or you can take time to actually think about the questions and not trying to rush through it. Um, and I don't really know what other accommodations I had when I was younger, but those are the ones I have right now. <laughs> um, you have being able to use a computer for writing on tests and exams. Uh, I'm in college. That's so I'm, that's what I'm saying. I can't remember cause that's just, everybody does that now. But, um, when I was younger, I'd take, um, quizzes and stuff on the computer. So like if it was open response, I just type my answers and stuff like that. Um, so that that that's helpful because I didn't like writing. A couple other things that I remember, um, either you have now or you had um, the opportunity to use technology, um, laptop or a smart thing. pen. Mm -hmm. That's kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah, the um, and the smart pen. I set this out just to remind me to make sure that we mentioned this one. Casually, not sponsored, but smart. <laughs> No, it, it isn't sponsored, but, um, it's not sponsored. I was going to tell you this, this is, this is yours because you're not using it this semester, mm. <laughs> but the, um, the, um, the smart pen that, that you have, I was going to do a tutorial on that and we'll, we'll link that off of this too and put it on the YouTube video. But, it's a pretty um, cool but I talked to live scribe a couple weeks ago and they're coming out with a new, uh, version two of this now that I'm curious to see what's, what features it'll have, but mm. they, um, but this one's still available in some places, but the new one's supposed to be out in the next week or two. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I hadn't told you about that yet. 
And then the other thing that you have now that you didn't have, because it didn't matter in grade school, and that's early registration in college. Oh, yeah, which I was denied last year, but we're finally getting it this year. Well, it took a, Because um, you're in a smaller school, it took a little bit for them to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So, so the way a lot of colleges work is they have their seniors sign up for classes, and then a few days later, their juniors, and a few days later, sophomore, and so on and so on. So because I need specific classes because I'm narcoleptic, I can't have classes that are like eight in the morning. So I get my classes like after 9.30 and even 9.30 is a struggle. So after 10, 10.30 oftentimes, because I know I can be there for those. But um, yeah, those um, are all the accommodations I could think of that you have currently on your list. Mm -hmm. We may have missed one, but that's that'll get, at least give you a good idea if you're listening to this and wanting yeah. to to kind of know where to start. Um, and then you've mentioned some technology that you use, and I just kind of wanted to mm -hmm. go over that. With the alarm clock, you had mentioned the sonic bomb. Um, and again, we can link that. You, you've you tried that, and for you, you didn't really feel like that was the best one but, no. um, but because you found it, it other options. It works for a lot of people, though, and I know people that don't have narcolepsy that use it oh, yeah. just because yeah. it, it is good for waking you up. So oh, trust might, me, it, <laughs> the entire family woke up when you were using it. <laughs> so whenever I would use it, my entire family would wake up, as my mother just said, but I would not. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and so it didn't work for me, but um, they also make like little like robot ones that like whenever you, um, they, if you just look up narcolepsy clocks, they have a ton of weird inventions. <laughs> There's like robot ones where the alarm goes off and then it rolls away. So you got to go chase it. So you have to get up get and go get, get it. Yeah. Bed. Um, they make ones that like, that like, um, pretty similar to that. It goes off and it like shoots. Like if you've ever seen one of those like Disney fairy things where you like pull the cord and they like spin up and then come down. It's like one yeah. of those to where like it like shoots it out and like that's the key to stop the alarm. So you got to go find it and then put it back <laughs> for it to stop. Um, I've seen a pretty creative one where um, where the alarm goes off and they have like a laser pointer like gun model and you have targets in the room that are Bluetooth. So until you hit the target, it won't turn off, which I just think is a redneck's dream. But, I have an um, app on my phone that... Um, yeah, do math. Well, no, not, not just the math. There's one where you have to actually get up and go scan a barcode. So you could put the yeah. barcode for your medicine it, on it. It makes you, yeah, it makes you get up and get moving. And like, it, it makes you wake up your brain a little bit to just get out of bed, honestly. Cause, cause you can wake up for an alarm to turn it off. And if you're like, if you're still in bed, you can fall right back asleep. Yeah. So, which is another reason why I have so many alarms. So, but, so, um, um, so you're talking about, you use the iPhone for that and also for typing in class. Mm -hmm. We talked about the smart pen and there's notebooks that go with that. Um, yeah, you use a laptop. Cool. Um, any other technology you can think of that, that you've used? Not to like help me really. Like, I mean, uh, uh, one tool that like the smart pen does already that uh, friends of mine used in high school is they would either use, um, uh, I think it's called like memos or something on our voice recorder on the, um, the iPhone mm -hmm. or even just a video of the class. Like you can just do that. So you can listen to the class later on. Um, 
and um, pick up on anything that you missed or like if you can't remember something that they said now you have literally something that can tell you what they said right um you can well, that's another piece to... too if you whether it's dysgraphia or adhd even using mm -hmm. that iphone or or smartphone as long yeah. as you have permission to be able to take photos of the notes on the board <laughs> i was gonna say you can also take photos of the board and notes and stuff like that so that's another use for iphones or just phones in general so there's there's a lot of tools that weren't there 10 years ago that are that are mm -hmm. available now um all right so um changing gears a little bit i want to talk more about the athletics now so what are your goals mm -hmm. for the future christopher's story isn't over yet in episode eight we'll post the rest of his story about playing baseball in college and how he went through a difficult injury that almost put an end to his dreams of playing baseball Make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss it. Tune in next Friday to hear Frankie's story and how he created the Dancing Eyes podcast as a way to connect with people all around the world who have congenital nystagmus. Connect with us by leaving a comment, subscribing, sharing this episode, or looking at the episode resources in the description or at waterprairie.com.